Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies. And uh, in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of April, and uh, we like to do themes or event months here at Catching Up on Cinema. And uh, Kyle, could you tell the folks at home uh, what the theme is for this month? Yeah, I thought the idea for this month should be uh, stay the fuck inside. Uh, We're kind of covering movies where people are either forced to be inside or they should have stayed inside. Uh, This is actually the former. They are forced to stay inside. And uh, what'd you pick this week, Trevor? Yeah, so Kyle had the pick last week, which means I have the pick this week. And uh, for my choice, I selected uh, Ben Wheatley's uh, Free Fire from 2016. Um, This is a film that takes place essentially in a single location, aside from the couple-minute opener. Uh, It takes place in a single warehouse. And uh, as far as I can tell, it largely plays out in real time. It's Mm -hmm. only a 90-minute film. Uh, I know you're a big fan of that, Kyle. Yes. (laughs) Um, And... To be honest, uh, Ben Wheatley is a director that was not known to me uh, coming into this. I actually own this movie. I bought it when it very first came out because I I saw the trailers. I heard about the premise, and it sounded like something that would be pretty much right up my alley. It's it's not nearly a favorite movie of mine. It does have some serious problems that I will freely admit. Um, But for the theme um, of isolation or staying inside, I thought it would seem appropriate to you know, do a movie that takes place basically in one single location in a warehouse. Um, But Kyle, you've seen uh, one of Ben Wheatley's other films. Does it have any relation to this one? Uh, No, it's a completely different style film. Uh, I've seen Kill List from 2011, which is an interesting kind of a twist on horror, uh, more or less. Um, It's uh, about two hitmen who come across um, a bit of a a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, And it it's kind of a slow burn, but once it gets going, it gets pretty good. It's pretty violent um, when it when it's shown. When violence is shown, it's pretty violent. Um, but yeah, it was I was pretty impressed with it. Uh, so when I saw this was him, I'm like, oh, this could be fun. Like this could be interesting, and the cast too. Um, was it Charlto Copley? Is that his yeah. name? Yeah. Whenever he pops up, I'm kind of. I what was it? Uh, Elysium? Is that the one he's in, or is it yes. District? Okay, I loved him in that movie. That was I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, he and uh, Neil Blomkamp uh, seem to have some sort of deal going on where it's like, you know, if I make a movie, you're gonna you're gonna have something to do with it because he's as far as I know, he's been in all of his movies at this oh, point. Really? He was, yeah, uh, he was the motion capture for Chippy. Mm. <laughs> um, so he's not ever seen on camera, but that's that's his body language, that's I, his voice. I hated that A Team movie, but his scenes were what made it like the the only things I remember were him. Yeah, uh, man, that AT movie was raggedy. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it was rough. Uh, it's funny, like that was a that was like a a minor deep impact Armageddon scenario we had there. Um, I don't know across how many years it was spread, but we had a whole bunch of like men on a mission movies coming out because mm-hmm. we had that. We had the losers. Um, we had at least one or two others. Um, and yeah, the A team, unfortunately, despite having like the marquee value of being called the fucking A team, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just was not very good. Um, man, it's kind, it's kind of amazing that that was Joe Carnahan. That was the guy who gave us the gray. Oh, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess Liam Neeson likes him, but you know his his products are kind of all over the place. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kyle. Uh, 
you want me to do a plot summary for this one or you? Either way, I mean, you know it's what? really simple. <laughs> I practiced the plot summary because I'm like, there's there's a way to, to describe this movie. Um, two very unprofessional crews of criminals uh, botch a gun deal so badly over the smallest thing. And uh, it's supposed to be a dark comedy about people shooting each other. Uh, and there's an ending, which I actually really like the ending. That was the one of the things I did like about this movie. Um, if you, mean, yeah, to, to simplify it further, two groups of people go into a warehouse. Guns are involved. Merry mishaps ensue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the unprofessionalism is through the roof in this movie. Uh, <laughs> oh wow, yeah, <laughs> double cross and uh, like shut the fuck up. Harry, <laughs> shut up. You are Yeah, for real. You got to put a leash on Harry. You He's... are a cog. You are a goon. Goons do not cause trouble. Goons get shot for causing trouble. Um, I want to say something before I forget. Um, Army Hammer, I want to watch more of his movies. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you at the top of the uh, top here. I wasn't crazy about this movie. I think I had a good start. Um it kind of it kind of loses me about half about a half hour into it. I wanted it to be good. I really did, uh, but I want to see more of his movies. But I think I like him better as a, a real life uh, action uh, Archer than I do uh, Superman. Whatever Henry Cavill, I think Army Hammer would make a good Archer because he's kind uh, of. Go ahead. Uh, he's he's multifaceted. Um, like I, I think I mentioned this on a recent episode that he he kind of has that Guy Pierce quality to him, where mm. he he you want to cast him in certain roles just because of his stature and his looks. Yeah, but his his actual skill set as an actor is a lot more varied than you would expect. Yeah, so I was gonna say he has more charisma than Henry Cavill. Like he just is just handsome with a nice chin. Like that's why he's Superman. But like Army Hammer, like he's actually funny. And I remember seeing scenes of him from the Facebook. Uh, and I remember him being like, ooh, that guy's a dick. I could be a dick. Like, I could see him being a really good villain in another movie. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see a few more of his films. I need to watch that Call Me By Your Name. Uh, I still haven't seen that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're a bad person. I haven't seen it either, but it's it's on my list. It's, I mean, a movie can't have that much critical acclaim without me at least pretending to care. <laughs> um, but no, he's I've, I've liked him. I just haven't seen many of his movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would even watch, like, the Lone Ranger. Oh, man. That was him? I mean, <laughs> he's the lead in it, but it's Gore Verbinski, and Gore Verbinski makes gorgeous films. I mean, they may not be the best from a storytelling standpoint, but holy shit, the visuals in his movies are incredible. Like, even even some of his minor movies are a joy to behold. And I think Army Hammer is, you know, a compelling screen presence, and... I, I think he was he was up for both like Superman and James Bond at some point, and I he, I totally see it. He would make a fantastic James Bond. I I, I would I will second that. Yeah, I think he'd be. Yeah, good at it. I mean he he got a close shot in the form of the Man from Uncle, which also has Henry Cavill in it. Mm. Um, um, Henry Cavill as an American, I think. And, That's a lot of hands. Uh, Ar- Army movie. Hammer as a Russian. <laughs> So it's kind of all over the place with the accents. There's, <laughs> he, he gets to bust out some uh, wobble use, as See, uh, Indiana Jones would say. I think he could bring a nice like campiness back to James Bond because uh, Pierce Brosnan's GoldenEye, that's good. It is just campy enough, and then it just goes off the rails. And then we overbalanced with the Daniel Craig 
James Bond where there's like hardly any campiness. I think he could bring just the right amount where he could be funny, but he can also be kind of menacing. Like he could be serious. We got to write a letter to somebody. <laughs> like, hey, I want to see that guy from the Facebook in the mm-hmm. suit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it also has, like we mentioned, uh, Charlotte Copley. Um, the bane of comic book nerds uh, who hate women, Brie Larson. <laughs> um, oh my, yeah, yeah. Uh, Army Hammer, uh, like we said, Cillian Murphy, who I'm a big fan of. Um, I, I needed him to do a little bit more in here. He uh, he was kind of stale as a character. Like he just didn't. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't his scarecrow self, but he just wasn't really. I don't know. He didn't have as much presence in this movie um, that I know he's capable of. Uh, then we have. Um, a couple of other names. Uh, Noah Taylor. I don't know what accent he's doing in this movie, but it's not good. Um, a dude you hate, Jack Rayner, who's most yeah, notably from... Yeah, I hate from, Jack Rayner. <laughs> most notably from Midsommar. Um, and then we have Bernie and Steve-O. I haven't seen either of these guys in anything. Uh, but the one I wanted to point out is Frank, played by Michael Smiley, who is in uh, Kill List. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's good enough. Okay. Um, it's oh, he's funny. in The Lobster as well. It's funny that Noah Taylor guy you mentioned, I think he was on Game of Thrones, but I can't confirm yes. that because I didn't, I didn't watch it. Yes, he's in Game of Thrones, and he's actually, a spoiler alert, he's the reason why uh, the Kingslayer loses his hand. Uh, the Kingslayer ends up losing his hand to get to save uh, Brienne of Tarth from getting eaten by a bear. Uh, <laughs> you gotta watch that. <laughs> um, but he's also, you would you remember him from Tomb Raider. He's uh, the little the little gadget dude he's um her little side <laughs> how dare you assume i remember tomb raider <laughs> i'm just saying i figured you would remember i mean him. i know i was the correct age range when that movie came out but no that movie has zero place in my brain <laughs> i've seen the hell out of that movie damn well yeah i mean like like i said men of a certain age i'm sure mm. it has a lot more meaning um for me it was just kind of like why is she? She's sure. She, dang, she's on a lot of wires in this movie. It's getting really distracting. <laughs> well, I find I, tinsel distracting. <laughs> I've had it pointed out that the reason why she's doing her wire exercises is so there's a reason why she's on a wire in that scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I I totally get it. They're they're planting the seeds. To, they're training the viewer to expect the, these kinds of movements and these kinds of scenarios. But it's like this is giving me like that. Uh, that Christopher Walken music video vibe was mm-hmm. was it, it Fatboy Fat Slim, Slim or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when he's flying in the center of the building. It kind of looked like that. <laughs> Although um, he's much more graceful than she is. I hate to say it. Uh, I did enjoy. I did actually like how we were introduced to where we're at because um, I, I wasn't sure what city we were in, but the song playing over the track actually gives us a gives us the clue. Uh, Do the boob is what the name of the song is. Do the boob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I caught that lyric in there. Um, I'm not familiar with the song, but I like the tune. It's "Do the Do the Boob" by the uh, the Real Kids. Okay, uh, 70s, yeah, 70s our, band. Our uh, our movie. So what? This takes place in Boston. Yeah, or? it takes place in Boston. They mentioned they just kind of mentioned Boston in the song. I'm like, okay, we're in Boston. Uh, we don't really. I don't think we even see any landmarks. It's just a helicopter shot of. Um, it's supposed to be, I guess, 1970s. Um, oh yeah, the Boston. music is meant to clue you in on that right away that and the font and even even the like the haze they put on the 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 font like the the lettering that's on screen has that kind of like slightly Mm -hmm. faded neon look to it well i was telling you about the movie i watched that i was pretty disappointed in uh we are still here like that ghost movie 
um, it takes a it takes a minute for you to realize like oh we're we're in like the seventies here like it it takes a, they don't just outright tell you it takes a little bit of time which I kind of liked I'm like oh okay we're dated here a little bit as soon as somebody says they need to make a phone call and they run out to the corner yeah <laughs> to a booth <laughs> then it's like oh <laughs> or you see like a giant wooden box and you're like what's that and like oh it's a TV gotcha. Or, you know, just pay attention to what everybody's eating. If it looks terrible and it has mm. a lot of peas, it's probably from the 70s. <laughs> Fuck peas. I hate peas. Uh, peas were everywhere in that decade oh, for some reason. Gross. <laughs> Americans like peas. But, um, yeah, uh, it's funny. There's one thing that I'm sure uh, your brain picked up on, even if you didn't, like, clue in, in on it immediately. But, um we get an A24 logo mm-hmm. in the very beginning of this movie. Unfortunately, as far as I understand, they only distributed the film. Gotcha. They did not produce it, as far as I understand. I could see that. I was actually kind of curious, because the tone does not match an A24, A24 film. I mean, they have a varied catalog, but the major difference comes in the form of what their money was put towards. Mm-hmm. Um, if they produced it, then that means they shepherded the project. If they merely distribute it, that means they just paid the bill to have it put out. Um, so this is the latter. This is them just mm. putting their brand on it and having no real creative control over it. And it probably shows. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, Kyle was up front with saying that he's not a huge fan of this movie. And to be honest, neither am I. I blind bought this. And uh, it's... I, on a technical level, there are a lot of things I appreciate about it, but I, I don't think it's an amazing film, and you shouldn't rush rush out to see it. No. Although, I don't at ninety minutes and filled with gunfire, there are much worse things you could do with your evening. Let, let me let me make this clear. It was a good watch. Like it was fine going through the first time, just one time. But I wouldn't strongly recommend it to anybody. But it's short enough that yeah, you can you can get through it. It'll pass ninety minutes, and you won't hate your life if you watch it. <laughs> Okay, that's that's the best advertisement Free Fire has ever gotten. There you go. Because um, as far as I know, this movie wasn't marketed extensively. I kind of had to hunt for it. But um, yeah, the movie opens with an overhead. It's like a helicopter shot. Uh, it's following. It's we're tracking a van um, through through the streets of Boston, which we'll learn a little later, um, as evidenced by all the British people um, having fun putting on a Boston accent, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a like a godsend to them it probably makes their job a lot easier mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one thing would have made it better if this was happening in georgia or like alabama so they could throw some foghorn leghorn on it because i think that's easier for them i mean yeah we have plenty of examples of that most recently daniel craig he said in knives out kind of busts out one of those oh it's great and that movie's fun that that that's a fun movie uh Celia murphy gets to be irish here and he's like oh thank the fuck christ i get to be yeah, irish. I, I caught a i caught a couple of fooks in there it needs to be said like Cillian murphy's eyes are I, I say this about a lot of actors but his eyes are some of the best special effects in hollywood because mm-hmm. um, holy shit the coloring and just his ability to look like he's a, on the brink of tears all the time regardless of the situation it's he just has a perfect face for movies um because you his face communicates a lot without Mm -hmm. him even fucking doing anything um i think that's actually part of the problem with his casting in this though is that he's he's a really powerful tool to to have in your kit but his character in this is just supposed to be stoic yeah which is not Not what he's good at he's being he's good at being fidgety and vulnerable or if you can get in a, in a, in a power position, 
with a gun, like then he can be menacing. But yeah, here he's just yeah he's trying to be kind of a badass. I'm like, dude, you're like five eight. Like, I mean, if if like he if his character was like a sociopath or something, like yeah. if when he starts shooting at people, he has like that Terminator face going on. Yeah, exactly. Like, then he can do that. But in this, he's just kind of like generic cool guy. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, he's five nine. I apologize. Oh, okay. Well, everybody looks small next to Army Hammer. <laughs> just by, he's Irish. I'm sorry, he's Irish, and his spouse's last name is McGinnis. <laughs> <laughs> that's Never the most would have guessed. I, that's the most Irish last name I think I've ever heard. <laughs> what movie? Oh, I was looking at the IMDb for some movie, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of mix in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I was, it was uh, oh, it was Braveheart because Steph's like, I've never seen Braveheart. I'm like, well, we're gonna watch that. And I'm like, Mick McCormick. I'm like, man, there's a lot of mix in this movie playing Scots. I'm like, man, there's a ton. There's like six MC Mick last names in that cast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. And, and Angus. Mm-hmm. I've always hated that name, Angus. I hate that name. <laughs> Angus McFadden. Amos, so you Amos. get another Mick. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, Go ahead. But yeah, uh, we're tracking this van. And like you said, the, do the boob is playing the boob. over the soundtrack. I like um, that song. It's, a, it's, fun. it's kind of like a funky 70s track. Kind of like a glam rock. It sounded like, kind of like a glam rock track. Yeah, th- thanks for the, thanks for making it more specific. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and yeah, we get on on screen uh, executive produced by Martin Scorsese. Really, I did not so, catch that. Yes, um, so he had confidence in the product, and I can see why it it has a little bit of nods to him here and there. Um, mostly uh, just the, yeah. the vibe, you know. I was gonna say uh, if you've seen The Departed, this movie makes a lot more sense too, because we have uh, guns, heroin addict, and IRA, all things that are brought up into in The Departed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought about the IRA part, but yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> um, but yeah, finally, we, we move into the interior of the van, and uh, we get to meet our first couple of characters here. And uh, one of them is wearing a kitchen kitchen mitt, like an oven glove. Yeah. <laughs> He's driving, and I'm struggling. He was, he was one of two characters in this movie that had very little character. Yeah. Um, uh, b- funny enough, both of them have mustaches. Um, and it was really annoying towards the later stages of the movie because these two people play into the drama like they have moments mm-hmm. and they were the two people that I kept forgetting were even there. Yeah. Um, the, o- the other one was Noah Taylor um, as the character Gordon. Uh, I was just calling him Stash because he had a he had like a what Frank Zappa mustache or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this guy I'm trying to uh, Bernie uh, played by Enzo. Silenti, uh, he was was unfortunately very forgettable in this movie. Yeah. Even though he's one of the first people we see on screen, um, which is very unfortunate. He's, I, I mean, I want to call him crackhead or smackhead because <laughs> that's like his role in this movie. Is uh, he does drugs and he drives a van in the opening. Um, but yeah, we get to meet him, and uh, it's actually a camper. He, I'm gonna be on. It's it's actually an RV. <laughs> the van it's is a, in the warehouse. They're driving an RV. That's yeah. Sorry. Two different vehicles. Yes, two different um, vehicles. Because we're going to be um, talking so, about a van. Yeah, a red van. This yes. is a white camper. Yeah. Um. So he's driving with his of glove. <laughs> and, uh, uh, beside him, though, in the passenger seat, um, we have somebody that at first I was calling Panda in my in my notes here because uh, he has a line. I look like I tried to fuck a reluctant panda bear. Yeah. I was like, okay, I guess he's panda. But then they name him Steve-O. 
And I was like, you know, Steve O's pretty easy to remember, especially when he's a shithead. Yeah, <laughs> pretty easy to remember. Yeah, so Steve O, uh, he is played by who now? Uh, Sam Riley. Uh, Sam Riley, I've only seen in one other movie, and that is uh, Maleficent. I've never and seen that. He plays like a crow person or a raven person. That's weird. Like, he transforms back and forth between a bird and a man. And if you've seen his nose, it's almost like the people making that film were mocking him in some fashion. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's got a pointy nose. Let's make him a birdman. Birdman. <laughs> I'll be honest. When he said that, I looked like I tried to fuck a panda, a panda bear or whatever. I was like, did David Ayer write this? I had, uh, I, had, I had to look it up. I'm like, please don't tell me this is a David Ayer film. I'm like, I can't sit through this. But thank God it's not written by David Ayer. Yeah, the writing in this film is very interesting because um, it it uh, makes itself too apparent at times, for sure. Um, it does. It has. It suffers from a little bit of Joss Whedon disease, mm-hmm. where everybody's maybe a little too clever for their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like you know, people don't really talk like that, especially when they're getting shot. Um, <laughs> but more often than not, I found it to be entertaining rather than like obnoxious, uh, especially Army Hammer. Um, although he does stick out like a sore thumb because his his charisma is f- far far like light years ahead of a lot of the people around him. Yes, um, he's big man on campus, like literally. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the writing it definitely makes itself more apparent than maybe it ought to. I, uh, but the thing about this movie, even from just like a, just in terms of premise, um, it has some charm at least for me in the form of like. This is exactly the kind of shit I used to make when I was in high school. Like mm. gun deal gone bad movies were all we did in high school. <laughs> we we'd we'd set a bunch of airsoft tape like airsoft guns on the table. We'd like improvise dialogue about like like negotiating prices or something. Somebody would go into the bathroom and get shot because we had to we had to shoot people in the bathroom because cleaning up the bloody mess uh, was a lot easier to do on tile than on carpet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like just from a just from like the premise from the get go, I was like, you know, this movie reminds me of like what I probably would have done if me and my friends had a shit ton of money and time and you know access to a warehouse and fake guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it you know it speaks to me on that level. Why um, are there so many people for this gun sale? That's what I was confused at. I'm like you don't, I don't feel like you need this many people. You need. Two people, two like two people on each side who are brokering the deal, and you need two people um, from each side to actually do the heavy lifting. So you need eight people tops, but there's more than that here. It could have been a case of uh, some folks like over overcompensating, and then the other like the other party sensing that that might happening, and and the do it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hmm. It's like I guess we're just trying to stack the deck. On both sides, and then oh crap, we have a lot of bodies in this you got room. A right lot now. of witnesses is what you got. Is what you got. Uh, yeah, actually, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Steve O right off, right from the get go. Uh, so like in the opening shots of this movie, uh, basically makes it know known that he's a piece of shit. He's a piece um, of shit. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he's not likable in any way. But the important thing here um, is that he uh, he does some smack in yeah. the, in the camper. As uh, given to him by by the of glove gentleman uh, driving the, the camper, um, and also he makes it known that he uh, he had 
he had an altercation with someone the night before, and that's why his eye is badly bruised. Um, it's visible. Like, you can see his face is pretty fucked up. Um, so he was apparently out at a nightclub or something, and someone jumped him um, for some reason involving a woman. Um, put a pin in that. Um, but meanwhile, uh, we get to meet Cillian Murphy and Brie Larson, as well as uh, Frank, uh, the older uh, Irish gentleman. Uh, so both Cillian Murphy and Frank are trying to get these guns, obviously, because the troubles, I believe, are, are on the way or are in the process right now. And uh, Brie Larson is the broker that's like in their car with them. And uh, we have just like a brief exchange between all of them. They're getting impatient because uh, we're waiting for the camper to arrive and they're taking the sweet time, probably because they're on a lot of drugs. <laughs> names and what's happening. Frank, Frank, Justine, Chris, we get the names. Of this gun deal, uh, we're going to be doing this gun deal with Ord. Uh, here's the RV. Like it just, it's, it's a good way to set up and tell us everything that's about to happen. Um, he, yeah. Ord comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> he parked he parked around back i guess because yeah. he he just like walks down the side of the building and it's a very long walk too um, and apparently um steve-o is uh frank's uh brother-in-law is that is am i correct in that uh yeah, uh, yeah. i believe he's with frank's sister yeah and yeah, they they show up and he just starts he just starts giving him the business. He's like, "What the fuck? Why aren't you here on time?" He grabs his balls, by the way. Uh, and it's like, uh, <laughs> it's a good power move. Um, I think what's his face was it Boggs in uh, the beach where he gives Leo the good the good gripping. Like that was a good move. <laughs> I mean, it tells you who's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> it's whoever um, gets yeah. there first. <laughs> That's all it is. But it's just whoever gets to the balls first is in charge. Got to have that hand in the holster. Ready yeah. to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cobra. Coiled. Ready. Um, but yeah, uh, Frank has definitely like, he he definitely like display, displays a, a kind of like sense of responsibility for Steve-O. Mm-hmm. Even though he seems to have no real, real reason to. Like Steve-O mm-hmm. is a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, in every sense. His name's Frank, Steve-O. Yeah, his name is fucking Steve-O. Nobody, yeah, if you, you go by Steve, Steven, or if you're a piece of shit, Steve-O. Not, I'm nothing against the jackass Steve-O. He's not a piece of shit. I'm just saying in life. Steve-O yeah. is not, is, he is goon or lower. Yeah, no, he is He is the help for yeah. sure. Um, but Frank is looking out for him pretty much throughout the entire movie. Um, and it it's kind of interesting just to see this guy who is just a perpetual fuck-up get tough love and protection from this guy who's much older than him and probably has a lot more complicated shit going on in his life but Mm -hmm. he has it within himself to try to watch out for this guy anyway um but yeah uh enter army hammer uh he shows up um just as uh chris uh cillian murphy is putting uh some of brie larson uh justine's uh makeup on on uh steve-o's eye because he's he's wants to cover up the wound because it does look pretty bad but army hammer rolls in looking like one of the lovers from saturday night live he yes. looks like will ferrell from that skit yes <laughs> i thought he kind of he, he reminded me for some reason he doesn't have the afro but you remember the flashbacks in Waterboy with the two coaches and like he and henry winkler have the afro i don't know why he just reminded me of that well he is he is a very well-dressed gentleman his mm-hmm. beard his 
beard is thoroughly oiled. He is well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but he rolls up, uh, like like Kyle had pointed out, he, he just like walks up to yeah. them He's <laughs> from a great distance, but he takes long strides, so he gets there quicker than you'd expect. Um, but as soon as he opens his mouth, you're like, God damn, that's a voice. <laughs> like, like he commands the room. Um, but as soon as he starts speaking, um, like I said, his dialogue makes itself very apparent where he's very, very clever. He's very snappy. He's very, he's very funny, but it, it's like, it's only because he's saying it that it works. Um, in the hands of a lesser actor or something, uh, this would be like, ugh, like, yeah. tone it down, guys. This, like, I know you think you're funny, but it's not that funny. Cillian, but he sells it. Uh, I don't know what movie it was, but for some reason, Cillian Murphy looks like Billy Crudup with this outfit. I, I kept thinking, like, even when I was watching the trailer, I'm like, is that Billy Crudup? I'm like, oh, it's Cillian Murphy. Uh, took me a minute, because I don't know what movie I've seen where Billy Crudup has, like, long... Oh, I think he reminds me of him from uh, Sleepers. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that. Um, yeah, very much so. I, I mean, it helps, too, that I think they, like their facial and skull structures are somewhat similar. Like They both have kind of flat faces, mm-hmm. um, both in the front and on top, actually. Like, the top of their head, I want to say, is just, like, completely flat. No, he looks like him from Almost Famous. That's what I'm thinking of. Billy Crudup and Almost oh. Famous with the mustache. That's what I am thinking of. You know, I never saw that one. That's a good movie. I really enjoyed that movie. That's kind of one of those, like, um, if I'm, like, having a beer or two or something, I might throw it on. Or it was one of those, like, HBO movies. If it's on, I would just watch it. Like, I'm like, oh, this just started. I'm going to watch Almost Famous. Yeah, it's, it's, it, has that, it has that gal that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, uh, she talks yeah. like a Brooklyn yeah. cartoon character and everything I see her in. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know her name. But. I don't dislike her. It's just she gets annoying after a while. <laughs> in small doses yeah <laughs> give me small doses of her <laughs> um but yeah or shows up and he starts uh patting everyone down uh, natasha leone going. sorry go ahead no, there you go thank you uh, yes. I, I think it's important to have it out there but <laughs> so somebody who cares can look it up um but or just like patting everyone down and uh his i love his demeanor in this in this movie because it's it's very it's very creative and hard to pull off too because he's like extraordinarily polite and pleasant, but he also has an air of intimidation about him that I think he only really mer- works if has, you're as tall as he is. He has mercenary confidence, where like he's like trained to kill you with his bare hands. He's good with guns, and he's just doing this like as a job. That's the kind of confidence I got from him. I think the latter is the most important part of that equation um, because he throughout this entire movie there a lot of instances where he's kind of checked out mm-hmm. i mean he's still he's still there he'll still kill anyone who gets in his way but like from an emotional standpoint he's just like you know i'm doing this for the money yeah and if the money's not there then i'm not really going to invest my passion in it um but yeah this exchange was was it was interesting um, he has a funny line here where he's patting one of them down and they're like you, you smell good it, like it's really yeah quiet on the audio track and he just like looks them dead in the eye and smiles at him he's like thank you it's your thank mother you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also drops the the hard f-bomb yeah which we don't say here on catching up on cinema no, we but, don't use that. um to be honest though it was kind of funny in the movie <laughs> but i'm not gonna repeat it um There's and then we get what <laughs> do we get a do we get credence here 
Or am Possibly. I, wrong? I was actually. We get some kind of song from the 70s. You uh, better run through the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no, please don't have like a, like Forrest Gump soundtrack throughout this entire film. I get it. It's in the 70s. I think it's just to reiterate if you didn't catch at the beginning, this is the 70s. Um, I, I thought this song choice worked really well because it's just like a, a series of shots show, showing us um, get escorted into the warehouse where the entire movie will take place. And these mm-hmm. shots are important because they establish the geography of the environment. Like it shows us where rooms are in relation to each other. Like we see that the room with the, the swinging overhead lights with the red door, that's more towards the exit slash entrance. And then we get like a staircase walk and um, the, the lighting in here is really cool where it's a lot of overheads. There's a lot of amber tones and there's just this the appropriate level of dinginess to the environment that again reinforces that kind of like 70s vibe but yeah wards he's up front obviously because he's you know the guy who's kind of brokering the deal um and then we enter we enter the uh, main arena of the warehouse and this is where the majority of the film takes place it's a it's a vast warehouse with a lot of dust and haze hanging in the air, which again looks lovely on the lights, which are all, are all overhead pointing down. Um, again, amber tones abound. Like there's like a, a golden sheen to a lot of the a lot of the light blooms in the in the warehouse. It looks handsome. I'll, I'll just say that much. Um, but then uh, Ord calls everyone out uh, so we can get the deal down, and uh, the music transforms from what I thought was Credence uh, to like a pleasant. A acoustic and it has kind of like a dreamlike feel to it as a uh, Charlotte Copley as Vern <laughs> and uh, I want to say it's pronounced uh, Babu Sise mm-hmm. as a character Martin. named Martin uh, who at first I was calling the muscle but um, he became Martin later on when his name was spoken incessantly uh, towards the end of this film for some reason <laughs> like constantly saying Martin 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 <laughs> I picked up. I th- I was like, this these two brokering like they're the two guys selling the guns. I I kind yeah. of picked up. On, I didn't think it was the muscle. Um, I mean, because he's chiming in pretty quick. You could definitely tell like this is Vern's. Uh, well, I was doing it ironically actually because I noticed a exchange very early on between the two of them that was really funny. Because uh, Charlotte Copley Vern keeps treating Martin like he is like his appendage or his yeah. like, associate as he has to call him, but. When it comes to him, like calling him that, he pauses. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, please hand the money off to my. And then you hear Martin like whisper, like associate. associate he's like, yeah. associate, <laughs> like because he. It seems like they're not really sure where they're at with each other, and I really like that. There's definitely a power struggle happening between the two of them. Like you can, you get the sense that Vern thinks he's in charge. Do you think you are in charge? Yeah, so we've got a nice little gun sale. Um, they're trying to buy some M16s from uh, Vern. Um, he's a fucking chatterbox. Uh, he seems like a scummy used car salesman. Like he just, he's real chattery. Um, and I guess he, it's a different gun. What, what was the gun that he ended up bringing? Uh, he brought AR-70s, yeah, um, which, which are know. automatic rifles, but they are not M16s. I don't know what the difference is. Um, I'm sure it's not. Is it substantial? Like, is it that big of a difference? I I didn't bother to look up like an AR-70. Um, I want to say they probably use the same type of ammunition, mm. um, but as far as I understand, they're not used ex- as extensively around the world as as an M16 would be. 
Yeah, zombie apocalypse. Um, zombie apocalypse tip one hundred and one. Uh, if you are going to be hoarding and collecting guns, what are the two best guns for doing that, Trevor? I mean, some form of shotgun, <laughs> twelve gauge, and a nine millimeter. Because what do cops use? There you go. You can find that. ammunition pretty easily. Yeah, uh, so that, yeah, that would be important. Yeah. So Cillian Murphy is uh, not too happy about the deal because he wanted M16s, and fucking, <laughs> I do like Vern just like, what, what the fuck? I mean, I got you the guns. I got you the guns. Why you why you upset? I mean, they're here. Uh, it, I feel like he's like. It's very unprofessional. This is what I'm saying. Like this is just riddled with unprofessionalism. One, yet Silly Murphy should be upset because this is not what I ordered, and the mm-hmm. deal should be off at that point. Um, you fucked up. You don't try to like bully somebody in an arms deal into buying something that you didn't want to give them. But I guess he's a good salesman because ultimately they are going to move forward with the sale. But um, they'd get off on the wrong foot. <laughs> Even Vern's kind of like, you know what? I think we, you know, got off on the wrong foot here. I'm gonna start over, like try to try to try to recover. Um, in this scene, I didn't really understand like what was the significance of him doing this. Um, but Cillian Murphy wants to try out the gun, which I feel like is pretty standard. Yeah, um, um, I, I did like this. As soon as Vern starts talking, I think we cut to to Stevo talking to one of his buddies, and he's like, "What the fuck is that accent?" <laughs> <laughs> because it needs to be said, Charlotte Copley is. South African, mm-hmm. and uh, he, I did like that they let him just be yes, that in yes. this movie. Um, even even like his, like his vocabulary. There are some quirks here and there where it's like I don't know what the fuck that means. But <laughs> it's interesting because I think this was um, at a time of racial tension in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting Apartheid. that he has, yeah, he has a he has a black uh, associate that he's. Uh, well, I think that with. might be part of it. Is that interesting in in his eyes from his perspective it's like oh well the black guy's obviously you know just my right he's just like an underling or something ah, it's like culturally, no you know yes, martin's, yes, yes. martin's kind of making some moves that maybe maybe you should respect <laughs> yeah culturally yeah i could see that being a problem i think this is also not a good time in boston i think there was some uh, some race stuff going on at this time as well uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, what's the line in The Departed? You're, you're a black I'm not gonna guy in Boston. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't need my help to be totally fucked. Yeah, but it's also just a non-factor in the movie. Like, his, it never comes up, which... Uh, it's it, kind of weird how it doesn't. You you put a character with the like uh, in Boston with a South African, and none of it comes up. Just kind of strange. You know, it's it's there if you want it to be, um, but it doesn't make itself more apparent than it needs to be. I, I appreciate it because, like I said, there are a lot of subtle bits of characterization that happen in this movie that stuff like that I like. Because just the just the way his demeanor when he when uh, Vern is interacting with Martin, you you get the sense that Vern thinks he's a lot bigger than he is, and <laughs> Martin obviously is more realistic in how he views the situation. He's about as hard to kill as fucking Boris the Blade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute here. But, um, yeah, so Cillian Murphy asked um, to test out one of the rifles. And uh, I did, like, we cut to Ord for a second. And uh, he just calls out, public safety announcement, while the rifle is loaded, I'm going to pull my pistol out. Yeah, and, I don't know why. And, uh, just in case somebody decides to go nuts they have a loaded rifle i guess so 
Yeah. I mean, I would want to be ready just in case some asshole decides to shoot me. Yeah. Um, but it's just it shows who he is. Where he's he's like the consummate professional. He's pleasant. He's even when he's pointing a gun at you, he's still polite. <laughs> um, which is an interesting character. Uh, you don't see that very often in movies, but um, the first gunshot in the movie is a uh, Cillian Murphy firing out like a single round from this rifle and it's funny because Vern Charlton Copley is like in the middle of trying to tell him something and he cuts him off with the with the report of the rifle mm. he's like shit god damn. I think he's saying something like I don't want to get the powder on my suit yeah he doesn't want yeah he, he doesn't want, want the discharge from the rifle to like ruin his suit and then he cuts him off mm. <laughs> and uh yeah first gunshot in the movie is deafening um, and I was telling you off air, I really love the sound design in this movie. Like all the gunshots, the ricochets in particular are fantastic. And uh, also the the use of ADR, I feel like they did it the right way in this movie, where there's a lot of dialogue delivered from off screen. Um, but the way they treat the audio, like as in like post-processing, um, they create a soundscape where like when somebody's speaking from behind cover, or say from behind a pillar or from behind like a mound of dirt or something, they actually like process the audio in such a way that it sounds like like the actor isn't in a recording booth. It sounds like they're talking from behind an object of some sort. I guess and this is coming from someone who's watching the movie with a sound bar, not with like a 7.1 or a 5.1 surround system. See, I didn't notice it because it's kind of like the soundtrack for me. Like I shouldn't notice it. If I'm viewing a movie, if if it's sticking out, then I'm going to notice it. Like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Like, try watching Weekend at Bernie's. Like, the ADR is ridiculous in that movie, and it, it's distracting. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't find it distracting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that means it was pretty good. I mean, there's two kinds of good editing. There's the editing, you, the editing that jumps out at you that makes itself known, mm-hmm. and then there's the ones you just don't even see. That sometimes that's the best kind. And I think maybe I notice the editing more when the editing's really good, but what's happening in the scene isn't that compelling. Lars von Trier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a couple movies. I'm like, wow, this movie's not very inter- interesting. But man, if you watch it, if you watch it, like just being shot, like, like wow, this is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Cillian Murphy, he empties the magazine, and it's it's mayhem. He just puts holes in everything, and. I think this is meant to like be like a, a taste of things to come, basically. Maybe because um, it, it you. is it is protracted. It does take a little longer than you would expected. Um, but we we just get to see like what what the guns are capable of in this movie. Uh, they can put holes in pillars. They can knock down lockers. They can make sparks fly when they hit metal surfaces. It's all very impressive. Um, yeah, but only then, one uh, person shoots this gun. The only person that shoots the gun is Arnt. Uh, uh, we'll keep one to call him Arn. Uh, Ord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ord uh, steps on a glass and we get a mazel tov. Mazel tov, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Vern pauses a little bit when he's... Tr- uh, like I said, this is where the money is being exchanged. So they give the money to him, but he's like, oh, give it to my associate. associate. <laughs> and he's like, my associate. <laughs> and uh, they hand the money off to Martin and he starts counting it up. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to the van. Yeah, the other two earlier. And uh, you want to tell us who's in the van, Kyle? Yeah, fucking Noah Taylor, who's playing Gordon. He has like three, I think he has three lines in this movie. He's uh, one of the most forgettable people in the movie. Uh, and he's doing some kind of accent. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's something. And then Jack. Ra- <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then Jack Rayner playing Harry. So Gordon and Harry are talking. Um, yeah, they're, they're like a walkie-talkie. It's pretty clear that they're Vernon's people. They mention Vernon. And uh, uh, Harry, I don't know, he looks, he's got long hair, big glasses, big beard, and he's, he reminds me of something. I don't know. He, don't um, don't forget the hat. Yes, he's got don't, the hat. He has a dumb hat that somehow he keeps for a, like a, an absurd portion of this film. It's like that hat would be gone. He, he I was calling him Hyde in my in my notes. I can see that because yeah. Hyde from that '70s show. Yeah, just his he demeanor does, reminded yeah. me of him. Where he's very confrontational. He has that like contrarian streak to him, where it's like you know, it's like, oh, you gonna tell me what to do? Well, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I uh, I liked him in I mean I didn't like him in Hered- in uh, Midsummer but his good it, his character is unlikable in that movie but he's good at playing that unlikable character and he's very unlikable here like he's annoying um, he's just agitating uh, I don't know if it's his performance that I find agitating or maybe it's just him it's kind of it's kind of teeters a little bit uh, I know you it's don't like him it's hard to say I. I- I think I just don't like him. Uh, I've only seen him in Transformers: Age of Extinction. That's why he was I, terrible. That's that. why I feel about <laughs> James Woods. It's like not only does he play like a really smart, like smarmy, like an annoying character, Dick, but I, he's like that in real life, from what I can gather. So yeah, I just don't I find like him, him. I find him entertaining though. Yeah, this guy just seems like kind of a dick. This is a different <laughs> kind of entertaining. You know how I like to watch movies that are like tense and like uncomfortable and kind of like just dread. Like there's just dread he's kind of this actor like he can be this where you're just like oh i just want him to get off screen like oh <laughs> you'll hate like he pisses me off in midsummer like you won't like him when you get to it yeah i man i need to get to that i'm embarrassed you need to i'm disappointed with one of my friends he 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 did not like it and i thought he would be the one to enjoy it and he's like no nah, i thought it was fucking stupid i'm like get the fuck out of here uh, yeah, so we start, uh, we're going to start unloading the van, and uh, the reason why Frank has brought his piece of shit uh, brother-in-law Steve-O and his junkie buddy Bernie is because they're the ones that are going to unload the van. Makes sense. Well, Steve-O uh, notices uh, Harry, and he's like, well, that's a problem. Um, that's the guy who beat my ass last night. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked how this information is doled out to us. Um, this is skillful filmmaking in a subtle way. Um, because we get to see Steve-O's eye fucked up in the very beginning. And then we get to see Harry's knuckles fucked up. Oh, I didn't even catch he... that. I didn't even catch his knuckles being messed up. It, I mean, uh, what's-his-face, the guy in the van with him, actually points it out. Gordon he, he does po- point out. He, he points says, you gotta get your, you got to get those treated, they're going to get infected. He pointed it out, and it was just like, okay, I, I didn't really... I watched this like first thing this morning. I hadn't even had coffee yet when I first got it, so this was the not coffee half of the movie. I got <laughs> I got coffee about thirty minutes in. Yeah, it it takes about thirty minutes to kick in in your yeah. system. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, um, I did like that though. That's like just from a visual standpoint, we we sense a connection between these two people. It's like, well, one guy is a fucked up face, one guy is a fucked up hand. Maybe it stands to reason that said fucked up hand came from fucking up said face. Um, turns out that is in fact the case. Uh, so yeah, they roll in with the van, and uh, we get we get some lovely John Denver music. <laughs> Absolutely not. Fuck him. I hate John Denver. <laughs> as soon as I heard him say, "Do you like John Denver?" I'm like, mother. I know. I know you hate John Denver. That's why God. I said it. That way. <laughs> I get why they set his country music award on fire. Fuck him. My God. <laughs> 
but yeah, John Denver is blasting from the van. It's you know, it's the sweet, sweet, dulcet tones of John Denver coming from a van preceding a massive gunfight, which, you know, it that's always going to be entertaining on some level. You know, like that moment of calm before the storm. This was the song. This song is why this is when it clicked. I'm like, this is why country music. Like this is why the the heavy hitters like Merrill Haggard and Conway Twitty were like, fuck that dude. He wasn't country music. This is a, this is not country music. Like my God, no wonder they hated him. <laughs> I'm just I'm just picturing that coming out of Conway Twitty's mouth. Fuck that dude. <laughs> well, you know the story behind John Denver winning the the Country Music Award. Uh, how about I think... you? How about you tell the folks at home? Kyle? Okay, sorry. Uh, so yeah, he you can't find you can find where they cut it out of the live show, but I think it was Charlie maybe Charlie Daniels. Some like old country singer um, was drunk as fuck, presenting the award for like best new artist or something like that. And it was John Denver, and he accepted the award via satellite. And I mean, this dude is hammered drunk, uh, and he ends up uh, setting the award on fire up on stage because he's like, "This guy's a fucking pussy. Uh, he does not deserve this." But you don't get to see it. They cut to like commercial, like they cut to the host real quick, and like we're going to commercial now because there's a drunk, drunk dude up here setting shit on fire. Um, but yeah, I get it now. I get it. Gotcha. Sorry. Um, so, so as the van, well, I mean, it's a history lesson for those. <laughs> you know, the more you know. Um, <laughs> but um, so the van rolls in, and uh, as this is happening, we're cutting to all the people like watching it roll into the warehouse, and uh, we get a fun little exchange here where it's like Chris is trying to ask Justine out. He's like, "Hey, so like after yeah. this deal, you want to get like dinner or something?" And I, I really like that, like. She reflexively just says, oh, no, God, no. Um, but as he walks past her, he's like kind of put out, you know, as he would be. Um, but as he's walking past her, she's like, oh, no, wait, you know, th- never mind. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you can tell that she just has that no ready ready to go because she expects it. Because she's surrounded by a bunch of grungy yeah. dudes. I was like, going to say, she, it's uh, going to happen. <laughs> he asked like right in front of the other guys. I'm like, that's fucking confident, dude. Like around well, the rest of the dudes you, that want to bang her. Have you seen his eyes? Yeah. <laughs> you just want to swim in them. I do like his, how he takes the rejection. He's like, yeah, fuck it. You're right. Fuck it. Yeah. But I, I like that. That was cute because it, it felt very true to life where it's like, you know, that, that's usually how that works. But I did like that she tries to take it back, but it's like kind of too late. Yeah. They call the back to it later. Um, but yet, Steve-O, like you had mentioned earlier, he does recognize Harry and he's kind of like squirrely and trying to hide behind trying just just like stay out of sight um but he's being an idiot and he's not really making it known why he's hiding tell frank what the fuck happened like we got into an altercation last night and i might have gone too far and it can get pretty heated yeah it's it's a really bad move on his part it could have easily been solved but he he kind of drops the ball there He's like, um, he's like, I'm paying you each $100. Get the fuck over there and unload and load up those guns. Um, so, yeah, we get another mo- another tense moment here where, um, uh, like, there's an exchange between Vernon and uh, Martin where he's like, well, I got him to fucking buy it. Like, he's like, yeah, I got the wrong guns, but we got him to fucking buy it. And they mentioned something about the ammo. And like you said, I think maybe the guns take the same ammo. Or maybe they did have... So. Or maybe they did have M16... Uh, they did have M16s and maybe sold to somebody else and they had that ammo left over. That's actually one thing that really kind of blew me away that um, in, in terms of it not being in the movie. It was mm-hmm. actually a massive disappointment on my part um, because this exchange between Martin and Vern, they do have M16s. And I thought what was going to happen 
uh, when I first watched this movie was that the M16s were going to be on the premises because they do mention something like we need to make sure nobody sees them or something like mm-hmm. like hopefully they don't stumble across them. And I thought that was going to play into like the third act in the movie where like ammo becomes an issue, but then somebody finds a locker with rifles in it. And it's like, oh, well, we're back to square one now, aren't yeah, we? I can see that. But no, there are no M16s in this movie. Um, and they're, they're reserving them for the Libyans. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see that van that the Libyans are driving, I see it all the time around Seattle. I always say, the Libyans. I mean, Kyle, if, if you had access to one of those vans and a squad of buddies, somebody has to stand out of the hatch in the roof. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If At you're driving point, around, yeah. somebody has to be hanging out the hatch. <laughs> you're going to see some serious shit. Um, but yeah, there's some tension going on here because uh, uh, Chris wants to see the inventory. He's like, uh, can you open up the boxes? And he's like, there's three in each one. He's like, great, open up the boxes. I mean, which this is standard. I haven't even brokered or been a part of an arms deal. This is a part of it. We see merchandise first. Once we see the merchandise, make sure that it works. We hand off the money. He didn't do that yet, but they need to. So, yeah, this is part of a deal. You get to see the guns. And he's like, what? what? The audacity. And I think um, Harry's just like, do you know how hard that's going to be to, like, crack open all these? And, like, fuck off. Um, it's about to get heated when, uh-oh, Harry spots uh, Steve-O. Yeah, I did like that um, it kind of, the tension ratchets up in, in beats here where we get the van rolling in with the John Denver music, things are pretty calm, but then we get the situation where Steve-O's like, oh shit, that's Harry, and we have we have beef with each other, I gotta hide, and we keep cutting back to like Frank hassling Steve-O, being like, get the fuck out there, earn your $100 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, as we've, we're first putting the boxes down on the on the ground, um, I think Gordon gets a splinter in his hand, Yeah. and, and like the camera just like whips over to him, and he's like, ah! And he's like, I got a splinter <laughs> so it's like just like teasing the audience so it's like we we've all seen the trailer for this movie we all the title's fucking free fire every every person on the cover of the poster has a gun in hand we know some shots are going to be fired it's just a matter of when so we're kind of like teasing out the tension here but yeah uh, harry sees steve-o and like the someone gets on a drum kit on the soundtrack because it gets it gets very like symboly like and uh, Harry makes a run at Steve-O, and he smashes one of the windows in the van with, I think, like, he smashes it with, a like, a crowbar or something. It's a crowbar, yeah. And he smashes it, and he tries to hit Steve-O, um, and then Panda, like, I called him Panda in my notes, sorry, yeah. Steve-O. Yeah. <laughs> um, he retaliates with, like, a two-by-four, but he accidentally hits Vern. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, uh, yeah, everybody has to separate them this this is bad management i'm going to chalk this up to bad management because if i'm brokering a deal and one of my goons gets into an altercation with the other other goons i might just pop them in the head like i'm like this is not how we do this like you do not fuck around with this kind of thing like this is gonna be a real problem you don't start an altercation with the other side that's how people get shot um see i know you haven't seen robocop 2 but um the old man from robocop 1 is in it uh, the the CEO of OCP, that can't remember um, what he looks like. And Daniel O'Harely, he's also the bad guy in Halloween Three. He's a jolly old Irishman. Um, mm. He's not jolly at all. He's terrifying. <laughs> but anyway, he has this great moment in RoboCop Two when a uh, RoboCop One and Two are duking it out in the middle of like a fucking press conference, and he just interrupts the entire fight by going, "Behave 
yourselves. <laughs> and it's like, Vern, you need to have that in your repertoire. You got to be able to shut shit down, even when cyborgs are fucking fighting each other. <laughs> See, guy who knew how to bro, who knew how to deal with an uh, with an arms deal was uh, in Lord of War when Nick Cage is selling to the African warlord, and one of his guards is flirting with one of the women. He's just like, boom, like you need to stay focused on what's happening right now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, not to constantly reference Bane, but you know, he had a way of dealing with things. <laughs> so I'm like, sorry, I, I love that beat. I love that beat where he's like, "Search him, and then I will kill then you." Then I will kill you. <laughs> and I he just, just fucking does. <laughs> I am not a criminal, but if I were a criminal and I was doing this, I would have shot Harry. He would have been done at that point. Oh yeah, Easily. I would shoot him for that stupid hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love. Uh, this is this is an example of the ADR where Vern stumbles off camera and he's like clutching his arm and he's 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 a little frazzled um, mm-hmm. and Justine's like are you okay and then you hear you hear Charlton Copley like very muted on the soundtrack say no no it doesn't hit I'm from Africa doll yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Africa is not for pussies <laughs> I was like that's pretty fucking funny yeah um so yeah. Uh, we find out what happened. Apparently, I mean, they're trying to calm this down. Uh, the, the guys that are, you know, running this deal, they're like, what, "What the fuck happened?" He's like, "We were in a bar last night. He hit on my cousin. She wouldn't go down on him, so he broke a bottle and glassed her. Now she's in the hospital and she's going to be permanently damaged." I'm like, that's a good reason to beat somebody's ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's justified. So I thought it was going to be a situation where. He's like, oh man, I can't go see that guy. I'm like, you guys just got into a fight. It's not gonna be that big of a deal. It might have some like some chippiness back and forth, but oh, there's a reason why he didn't want to see him. Was because yeah, he really messed up. Um, yeah, and then um, Cillian Murphy's like to try to keep the peace. He's like, um, he goes to beat it, like beat him up or something like that. And Harry's just like, what are you gonna do? Kiss him too? Like, what's that gonna do? That's doing nothing. Um, like I. I feel like that's a pretty good deal. Or let him work him over. Like, let him duke it out or something like that. Just let him... Because Harry... Actually, actually, that probably would be a good way to do it. Just, like, yeah. let Harry have his way with him for a bit. Beat the shit out of him, yeah. I'm sure Frank would have no problem with that. <laughs> I mean, Frank helps. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, he does. <laughs> yeah. um, and you can tell steve a bad person because his re- his reaction to getting beat up beaten up by... Cillian Murphy is as God is my witness. I did not bottle that slut. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it like, it's like you are not helping your case, Stevo. No, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Stevo is is making an ass of himself. So Frank just has to join in. He starts beating his ass too, um, and nobody's happy with this arrangement. But Chris tries to keep the peace, and he basically says like hey if we have steve like apologize and even like write a written apology like basically he's saying if i have steve apologize up like just say i'm sorry up and down is that going to be enough to get us through tonight and it seems like yeah kind of i guess nobody's especially happy with it but that's where we're going so um steve ruins everything Mm -hmm. and we get this really dramatic shot where he's he's bent over like at the midsection and uh, he looks up, and the camera's from a low angle. It makes him actually look kind of menacing and creepy. Um, but the camera's, like, pushed up into his face, and he, I forget exactly what he says, but um, essentially he takes an apology, and he just shits all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, he says some nasty things about uh, Harry's cousin, and uh, 
then we get this like steady droning beat on the soundtrack um which clues us the viewer into the fact that it's like ah so this is the part where things are about to get loud huh um and sure enough like everybody's grabbing steve-o and like trying to separate him from harry meanwhile harry just kind of like takes a walk very casually um to this to the passenger door of the van and he retrieves a revolver and you can tell like he already knows what he's doing like <laughs> he's just like he doesn't care about the commotion going on behind him it's like nope this guy has to die <laughs> like right now um and uh we get a really sweet dolly in um as he lifts the pistol up and uh we get him shooting steve-o and he gets him right in the shoulder um and then all the sound drops out um, as soon as the bullet hits him, basically. Yeah, and, the and next, uh, yeah, the next twenty minutes are people getting shot in the leg and the shoulder. Uh, except yeah, for this is <laughs> this is where uh, this is where our uh, beat by beat uh, examination of the film might get a little messy because um, it's not very dialogue or story oriented from here on out. Basically, it turns into a protracted shootout for the re- remainder of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna try my best to like hit the highlights here. Um, a lot of the details are going to be lost, though. So just bear in mind if you're if you're only listening to this film, which you absolutely shouldn't be. This is a terrible way to experience a film. <laughs> this, yeah, especially a film like this. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. This is this is a sight and sound movie more so than like yeah. a story movie. It's like us trying to do Reservoir Dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we have kind of like everybody starts shooting at somebody. Um, the the main thing is is that Frank and Chris are still on the same side with their goons, and then uh, the other goons and um, what's his face Martin and Vern they're on one side. But the the two people that are kind of up in the air are Ord because I'm like who who is he really whose side is he on at this point? And Brie Larson He's... appears to be with uh, Frank and um, Frank and Chris. But Vern and Martin keep asking about her. Like they're like, where, where is she? Like who's whose side is she on? And I'm like, she's. This is that's when I figured it out. I'm like, oh, she's doing this whole thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. I I really like the way this shootout starts uh, because, like I said, the sound drops out and uh, we get an acoustic guitar playing, and it it has like a sweet sound to it. It has not a funeral tone to it, but it, like it's like a oh man kind of tone to it <laughs> it's like we were so close to getting through this without any violence and sure enough there's violence um but yeah everybody scrambles no, there's gonna be violence from minute one like this the second they started talking like this is gonna go bad i mean obviously we're here for a movie but yeah they're getting off on the, any kind of deal that you're getting off on the wrong foot and people have guns I'm like this is gonna go bad <laughs> Obviously. It's like it's like it's simple math, man. It's <laughs> like, telegraphed to us. Like this is obviously gonna go bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody scrambles everywhere and like you said, the parties get kind of mixed here. Um because early on Ord is he's with Vern most of the time. Um but his allegiance seems pretty flimsy. Like yeah. it, it's more just like in terms of the geography of the room, it's like, well, I guess I ended up with Vern. I guess I'm with Vern. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of just a con- an alliance of convenience. Um, but yeah, uh, Frank actually does a really cool thing, and he immediately goes for Stevo. Like he actually like shields him and drags him to cover. Um, and like I said, he has like maybe a big brother mentality when it comes to Stevo, even though he's a shithead who is essentially responsible for all of this mess. Um, but one of the things I really liked about this early exchange, um, so only one shot has been fired at this point. 
and everybody's scattered because a gun was discharged unexpectedly and someone got hit. Um, but you can still hear everybody on the soundtrack. You can hear everybody shouting out, like still trying to reason. Like Brie Larson in particular, her voice sticks out like a sore thumb because she's the only woman in the room. But you can hear her like saying, like, come on, like, like we can still figure this out. Like you can still tell that there's a chance to salvage this. But then Steve O fucks things up again. <laughs> Because he withdraws a pistol and he shoots Vern in the upper shoulder. I mean, he only nicks him. Like, he just, like, skims his suit and draws a little bit of blood. So it's not the worst hit. But the fact of the matter is he fired. It makes a loud noise. He hit exactly the wrong guy because Vern, you can tell, is pretty pretty fidgety and has a big ego. So if you shoot that guy, he's going to tell he's gonna shoot you back <laughs> for sure. Um, so... Any chance of things being salvaged go right out the window as soon as as soon as Steve O fires that second shot, um, and I really like that they did that where it's like it's not just like everything explodes immediately. There's just that half beat in between where it's like oh shit, it, it's not until that second shot happens that things really go to shit. Um, but yeah, uh, we get some cool stuff here where um I think it's Gordon gets a he gets hit by some rocks, um, which was cool. Because that's something that doesn't get factored into that many action movies, is he doesn't actually get hit by a bullet. Um, a bullet hits near him, and then the the gravel that scatters from it like blows into his face, and it puts like a nasty bloody mark on his face that is there throughout the remainder of the film. Um, and also, this is where we get to hear the the first like ricochet sounds in in Ernst in the movie. And like I said, I I really love the sound engineering in this movie. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, but yeah, just to run down like a list of literal bullet points here, um, Steve-O and Harry are kind of like laser focused on shooting at each other. Um, other people are shooting at each other though, and it's very chaotic. You don't really know even really who's on whose side. Just bullets are trading back and forth. Um, Chris gets winged, he gets winged by a ricochet. Um, so also he hasn't been hit in earnest either. Um, Martin though gets a big moment here kyle and uh what happens to martin <laughs> he this comes up a couple of times it's the it's the trope in a movie where a character is doing something and you're not ex- you're supposed to not expect them to get shot and they get shot and he's the first one in this movie it happens a few times uh or has the same thing happen uh yeah. martin just gets shot in the head uh just, just straight up and uh he doesn't really go down. <laughs> like, he, he falls down, but he's not dead. Like, he's still, like, almost like he just got, like, hit by Tyson. And he's just kind of like, <laughs> like, oh, fuck, I was not expecting that. Like, jeez. Oh, who was it? Holmes? I think it was when he when he hit Holmes, and Holmes was like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is not Muhammad Ali. Um, yeah, he, is it Holmes that fought Ali and beat him? And then Tyson went back and beat his ass? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, um, yeah he he's just kind of um, like wobbling around. Then other people get shot. Uh, who gets shot in the leg next? Who's the next leg hit? Um, so one thing I wanted to point out about uh, Martin getting shot in the head is he kind of he weebles wobble, but they don't fall down until they do. Um, he does go down, but he's still talking. Mm-hmm. Like every once in a while, he just kind of like speaks up here and there. So he's not dead. No, <laughs> um, he's just. But um, the. The funny bit comes in the form of Vern throughout this entire middle portion of the movie constantly asking people to go for the case of money. 
Mm. And as, as soon as Martin hits the floor, you can hear Vern saying, like, go, f- Martin, Martin, go for the money. <laughs> and the guy's been shot in the head. And he's like, go get the money. <laughs> and he could, he's actually like, they're having a conversation while the man has a bullet in his head. Um, but yeah, uh, Harry takes one in the arm. But the next one, uh, by the way, uh, Vern takes another one in the same arm. <laughs> and he actually comments on that. Stop shooting me in that arm. Um, the next person who gets shot in the leg, though, is uh, Vern shoots Stevo, who is trying to retreat back to cover. Uh, he can't really stand very well, so he's just kind of like shuffling on the floor. And that's going to be a theme throughout the remainder of the movie is uh, people people dragging themselves across the floor. Uh, there's not a whole lot of standing that happens in the second half of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a luxury that's not afforded to many characters in this movie. Uh, it's kind of amazing that uh, the few people who are able to stand by the end of this movie are, are capable of doing so. But um, Ord finally enters the fray. And uh, he does so like a fucking champ. Um, he, again, like I could totally see him playing a James Bond type character, or like just an action heavy man. Like he he has physical presence, and uh, he's hiding behind the van with Vern, and uh, he steps out with blind fire. So he just kind of like very casually sticks his pistol out from behind the van and like discharges half a magazine and runs out. Um, he displaces and. I love, again, the sound engineering here, where uh, it's very quiet. Like, there's no music for this first portion of the gunfight. It's all just gunfire and dialogue, and you can hear people talking from across the room to each other, trying to get their bearings and trying to figure out who's who and and who they need to be worried about. Um, And (laughs) there's a fun bit where uh, Justine, uh, she breaks cover to run, like, to a different spot. I think she's actually trying to take care of Martin. Because uh, he's the one that has a fucking bullet in his head, and uh, she actually like calls out to the group, like "I'm, I'm, I'm coming out! Don't shoot me!" And, and like, I think somebody responds, but it reminded me of playing like airsoft or paintball or something, where it's like, mm. even though, even though like the stakes are high, even though you stand the chance of being shot, like in either dying or being injured or whatever, you still have these human impulses, or it's just like, "I'm coming out! Don't hit me, please!" <laughs> And it actually fucking works. And Vern takes another one in the leg. Um, but did you catch when uh, when Ord first gets hit? Because everyone in this movie gets shot. Everybody gets like, shot in the shoulder and then the leg. Yeah. Or shot yeah, in the every- leg and then the shoulder. Yeah, everybody gets shot in this movie yeah. multiple yeah. times. Um, I, it's pretty funny because it, 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 remind, it was a uh, Sergeant Horvath moment. <laughs> Very similar. It was uh, Sy- Sergeant Mike Horvath, if you're not familiar, from Saving Private Ryan. That would be Tom Sizemore. Mm. Um, he has that wonderful moment where he gets shot by a Nazi and he has to throw his helmet yeah. <laughs> at the guy. Son of a bitch! <laughs> um, or when he first gets shot, his response is, here we go, god damn it! Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just more annoyed than hurt. <laughs> yeah, it, It's pretty great. Um, and then uh, we get some uh, intruders, though, Kyle. You want to tell the folks at home who they yeah. might be? Yeah, we've got a couple of uh, snipers, it looks like. There's one guy kind of looking outside. or He's like uh, outside kind of looking in, and we've not been introduced to him at all. Um, I looked up his name. At, I don't even think they say his name in the movie, maybe once. Um, his name is Jimmy. He's actually in Sid and Nancy. Uh, I think he plays the... He's the guy who's like, I'm going to be a rude boy now. He's the, the one black character that hangs out with that group. Uh, oh, wow. If you remember him at all. Um 
there's actually two guys out there. Uh, do you know who the second one was? Uh, not the actor's name. Mm. Character's name is Howard, I believe. Yes, Howie. He is played by Patrick Bergen. You'll remember him as Bees from uh, that that silly the 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 Low Brother movie that we did. Low the Highway, Brother movie. Yeah, the Highway to is it Highway to Hell or something like that? Oh, oh, yeah, the 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 Low Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Highway to Hell. Yeah, he's Bees. That's that's Bees. Really? Yeah. Wow, he got fat. Yeah, he did not look like him at all. Cause I reckon I looked on IMDb. I was looking at the the actors. I'm like, that's. I'm like, I recognize that picture, that that shot, that his his little picture on IMDb. Yeah. I'm like, that's the dude from uh, that movie we watched, Bees. He looks yeah. like fucking Kenny Rogers now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he looks like uh, uh, the the Irish assassin from the first uh, Austin Powers movie. Ah, he looks he looks like a uh, Albert Finney in a in a Skyfall. Like, mm. like bearded Santa Claus looking man. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Connections. Revolutions. Connections. Revolutions. Um, um, but yeah, uh, these uh, mystery men, uh, for the time being, they all have rifles and they're up in the rafters essentially. So they're posted up as snipers. And uh, they shoot Gordon and Frank um, and they start shooting at everybody, like just kind of indiscriminately. Um, and we get a funny book. We get a really funny bit here where. Uh, Harry is laying on his back. He's just like posted up behind a pillar because he and Steve have just been trading rounds at each other. Nobody's really getting any headway on killing each other, though. <laughs> um, but Vern interrupts by throwing a rock at him, and his reaction was pretty priceless. Mm-hmm. Just the t- there, what the fuck is one of those phrases that it's all about? Like how much suction you can get on that fuck. And that the timing in which you pace out the words, like it, it, very minute differences. But if you get it right, it, it's sweet. It's so sweet. And I, I will give him this, um, Mr. Rayner. This is a very, very good what the fuck because he, he gets hit with this rock and he just like shrugs and he's like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> like, he's in the middle of a gunfight and some assholes throwing rocks at him, telling him to get the money. And obviously he's not going to because he's more concerned about getting shot. Um, Gordon goes under the van. He hangs out there for a good solid thirty minutes. I swear, I Gordon was so easy to forget about in this movie, he, and he's all, basically not in the movie. He, I mean, he has a moment later, much later on, and he does some. He does dick some people at like throughout the gunfight, but for the most part, he's that guy. Um, to use gamer terms, he's a camper. <laughs> He's the guy that just kind of hides and waits for the dust to settle, and then like picks you off when you least expect it. Mm. So he's a he he's opportunistic. Um, and then like of glove Bernie, I don't even know what the fuck he's up to. Like he makes himself apparent like twice in the whole movie. Um, but yeah, Ord uh, manages to grab one of the rifles um, that Vern had brought, um, and he he has <laughs> he has to hustle around uh, to get bullets for said rifle because they're stored separately. Um, which is good business practice <laughs> if you're dealing guns, I would imagine. Um, and he also grabs the money too, so he's in, he's sitting pretty. In fact, at this point, like Ord could probably just leave. He doesn't. Um, and we get this funny bit here where Vern and Chris are—you can see it on their faces that they see each other, and there's like potential for them to maybe call a truce and deal with the sharpshooters or something. But they don't. <laughs> it's like they just kind of exchange looks with each other. And it's like, no, we're not going to do that. And they start shooting at each other again. Um, and 
we also get a funny bit here where uh, Harry accidentally shoots Justine. Um, it's it's he writes it off as a mistake. Um, it's not the only mistake he makes in this movie. So maybe it's legit. Maybe he's just got an itchy trigger finger. I mean, it fits his personality. I mean, you would agree with me on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she shoots him back because that's you know that's what you do. Um, long story short, though, uh, the. Ord and uh, Chris take out the snipers. They both manage to, they manage to grab rifles from the cases, and they take out the snipers. Um, what's it? Jimmy gets gut shot, and uh, interestingly enough, we cut back to him multiple times, where he's just like crying. He's in tears because he has a, a bullet in his gut, and he's dying. He knows it. Um, but the movie makes a point to like cut back to him just suffering every once in a while. Um, which is a strange touch, which maybe speaks to the tone that the director was wanting to to do with this movie, like make it slightly more serious or something. Um, but it feels very out of place in this early stage in the movie. Um, but the other one, uh, Bees <laughs> or Howard, uh, he falls down, but then he he like storms out like a champ. He keeps trying to fight, even though he just fell down from the rafters <laughs> um, and got shot multiple times, and he gets shot again. But he's still not dead. <laughs> like, everyone in this movie is, like, from a John Woo movie or something. They take how many bullets to die? 20? 30? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Chris takes out the snipers. Um, then Bernie, for some reason, stands up to go do something. And somebody well, shoots him in the chest. He is one with the force, and the force is with him. He's, he's <laughs> basically just snapped. Uh, he just starts walking, and then somebody shoots him in the chest. Uh, and then Martin shoots up out of nowhere. I guess he's still alive. Um, but uh, Steve-O makes his way over to mourn his dead junkie friend. And he takes his heroin from him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he takes his heroin. Um, and <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, we get we get more instances of Vern trying to convince somebody to help him get the money. And you, you just hear, again, very low on the audio track. Your, your Rolex is fucking fake, Vern. Because <laughs> he's, he's trying to offer him his watch to make him get the money. And Steve-O is pissed. And, like, Ord is teaching him. He's he's teasing him. He's, and Steve-O has a retort. I'm fucking grieving here, man. <laughs> it's like, whatever, Steve-O. <laughs> um, and then we get a interesting lull in the action. Where uh, Ord... Uh, smokes a J. Uh, he just has one on him. <laughs> he just, just like lights up, and uh, he's kicking back. He's relaxing, like he's leaning against the van, and he starts like doing like a roll call, essentially, just like calling out, like asking who's alive and who's, like who's still who still wants him dead. Um, it's just a, a lull in the action where we get a chance to like just spend some more time with the characters. Um, Stevo uh, lights up, so he is thoroughly high. Uh, for the rest of this movie and uh his level of obnoxiousness does not go down i'm I'm sad to report but um we get some more weird bits of characterization here where um steve-o while he's high mentions like a wedding or something um that frank and chris were both at with him and uh i guess frank made it like made an embarrassment of himself or something and Ord actually takes notice. He's like, are you an alcoholic, Frank? And, like, they're calling out to each other from behind cover. And, by the way, they're both still armed. And uh, Frank replies, like, recovering. And just just the look on Ord's face, it's like, this is all subtext. This is all stuff that's, like, not terribly important to the story. But 
just the look on his face suggests that like maybe he can relate or something it's it's a weird bit of characterization but i appreciate it um but uh this is where it starts to become more obvious to the viewer if it wasn't already um obviously it was to you um that uh justine is kind of kind of working the board a little bit like she's trying to stack the deck in her favor um because she's buddied up with chris who you know had asked her out earlier and obviously appreciates her on some level um and he attempts to leave her and she like stops him and says stop i don't want to die and it's like oh hmm she's she's looking out for number one <laughs> like and she like when the money was being exchanged earlier she does like have a comment here and there about like it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen or something it never gets boring or something to, to see a bunch of cash in a suitcase so you can tell that like her priorities are maybe not as altruistic as it seems um but <laughs> kyle do you know what the word bad badinage means Mm-mm. i don't either but i need to because because Vern discusses with ord a like battle plan like a strategy and he he said he says the word badinage and he's like you'll distract them with your badinage and and ord actually pauses and like furrows his brow and he's like my what <laughs> Like I'll have to look it up because I don't actually know. Um, but uh, for some reason, we get a bit of characterization from Bees, from Howard, who apparently Ord knows. Um, apparently, they're both mercenaries of some sort. <laughs> I, lo- I love that Howard's only lines in this movie are essentially, uh, I got bills to pay. I got five kids to feed. And then he just throws in there just like as a cherry on top. I hooked up with this asian chick and she cleaned me out (laughs) so that's why you're here (laughs) like jesus that's a humiliating reason to be shooting at people uh yeah somebody shoots him in the head i don't i don't know who somebody does um and then they're trying to figure out a new deal uh chris is like listen i want the guns you guys want the money let's try to go our separate ways but let's get um Let's get uh, Justine out of here, uh, which, you know, she's all for and everybody wants to bang her. And she's also like on everybody's side. So they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, she's on my side. She's on my side. She's on our side. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get get her out of there. Um, and I'm like, the the facial expressions, like Ord's like, OK, yeah. And um, as soon as he mentions it to Vern, Vern's like, yeah, OK, sure. Um, that's going to happen. Like He's going to shoot her obviously the, the the little bit of misdirection would have been nice here and fern's like yeah that that would be a good idea and then she uh wobbles over to a broom like crawls over to a broom and uses that as a crutch to get out because again she's been shot in the leg at least maybe the shoulder too at this point um <laughs> and she starts to hobble away and Vern just starts shooting at her <laughs> for no reason no there is a reason um and it's kind of interesting uh so bernie of glove uh, he was the first death in the movie like confirmed kill in the entire movie and uh Vern was the one to take him out he shot him in the back when he was doing his uh, i'm one with the force and the forces with me walk because he was apparently headed towards the camper to like drive out of there or something um Vern shoots him in the back though and he goes down the camera does like it zooms in on his face while he's face down in the dirt and he his last words are just like incomprehensible just gibberish because he's dying he's dead it's kind of a pathetic death um 
But what triggers a uh, Vern shooting at Justine is a phone starts ringing, and uh, his thinking is that oh, there's a phone. One of us can use it to call in reinforcements, and he's thinking of it in terms of like this is a this is a fight to be won, and this is his way of getting an advantage. So he hears the phone, and he's like, "Well, that plan just went out the window." It's like, I guess I I guess uh, this is my power play. This is me taking her out and taking everyone out because if if I can get to that phone, I can turn the tide. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we get a weird moment. Where uh, Harry tries to jump Ord for some reason. That I didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah, I don't um, know what but, that was about. But Ord puts him on the floor and starts tickling him. <laughs> and we keep cutting back and forth between everybody shooting at each other and Ord tickling Harry on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't understand this at all. I uh, why is he tickling him? Why are they fighting? I don't know. I mean, he called him. He called him a fucking baby, and yeah. Harry is kind of a baby in terms of how he. Uh, I don't know. He's very childish in how he deals with his emotions and how he just constantly mocks people who have been gravely injured and stuff. Um, but I did like that the tickling uh, takes a turn, um, and it turns into just a ferocious slug to the face. <laughs> like he decks this kid in the, like square in the nose, and it, the sound effect when he when he punches him it's pretty great um and of course ord uh tries to enter the fray again and uh energy level is way up here um during as soon as the phone rings we get this like rock opera track of music almost like it, it's a uh, interesting like i want it, it's organ music but it's like that kind of like deep purple like organ music so it has like a, a funky edge to it um, but Ord goes to the back of the van and uh, he's like stretching and he even like checks his hair in the mirror and another weird bit of characterization that's like I don't know if it belongs in this movie but you know it's interesting and uh, Chris rolls out of cover um, literally because uh, he has like a like a wheeled dolly that he's hiding behind that has sandbags in it and uh, he uses that to, to get to Justine Um <laughs> But then Ord intercepts him with a crowbar, and they have a little throwdown here, and uh, we get a call back to his beard, and uh, or his scent rather. The, during the exchange, somehow Cillian Murphy like mentions something about you stink or something like that, and you hear just Ord like with a muffled tone say something like it's beard oil <laughs> as they're as they're throwing down. It's it's cute. Um, but then the fight is interrupted by Steve-O shooting a gas tank that explodes. Because you need that in any movie with, you know, a lot of gunfire. There needs to be somebody shooting. In a video game, it would be a red barrel. <laughs> because that's a signal to anybody who's ever played a video game that that will explode. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have some, like, gas tanks that fell out of a, a closet uh, during the gunfire. And uh, it explodes. We get a nice stunt where both um, Chris and Ord go flying away from this cart. Um <laughs> And then did did you pick up on what everybody was doing like when they were picking up the pieces here um, mm-hmm. after the explosion? So like Vern is uh, tearing, he's making cardboard armor for himself. I caught that, yeah. <laughs> he's making cardboard armor and he he says that it's Rhodesian special forces technique, it protects from protects from infection. <laughs> like uh sure Vern. I mean everybody's been shot, everybody's bleeding out. I, it you know, you're not exactly thinking that clearly. <laughs> um, 
I did like Harry's response. He just kind of pauses for a second. He's like, hey, Vern, does everybody like you where you come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this is where we start to enter like the the third act of the movie where things really slow down. And this is where the film actually gets a little tedious, if you ask me, like legitimately. Because I actually found the movie pretty entertaining up to this point. But it's at this point where pretty much everybody's hobbled. And even the soundtrack and the style of editing really slows down in such a way that I think it's meant to mirror the the physical state of the characters. Because everybody's just dragging themselves along. Um, it has like a delirious atmosphere to it. Like I did like that the actors do a lot of acting or like they'll they'll pause and just kind of like have a look about them where it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's barely conscious right now. In fact, there was a part uh, towards the end of this movie where I thought Ord was just literally going to die of blood loss because he's like in the middle of a combat situation. He just kind of checks out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Harry uh, has a moment here where he accidentally aims at Ord <laughs> and Ord catches him. He's like, hey, cut the shit. <laughs> it's, it's just a funny moment where it's like, this is why I'm talking about like that air of delirium where it's like he doesn't even know what he's doing anymore he's just he has a gun he sees something moving he holds it up to it um and even Ord succumbs to that later on um but yeah the, the cinematography here gets weird too um because everybody's really low to the ground everybody's dragging themselves along and whatnot um therefore most of the shots that we have are also very low to the ground and it gives it a really strange look especially because the ceilings are very very high in this warehouse and it makes it feel very claustrophobic even though the space we're working with is actually pretty vast um but the big move here is getting to the phone and uh we have multiple we have multiple parties moving in tandem right here Um, we have frank and Vern. so frank's uh dragging himself up the stairs to go for the phone and Vern is chasing him and then we have uh justine and Gordon, who, like like you and I both pointed out, just disappeared for the middle of this movie. Suddenly he's chasing her because she's trying to leave, I guess, still. Um, and we keep cutting back be- between these two parties. Uh, but basically what's happening is Vernon and Frank are both going for, uh, going for the phone. It's a matter of who's going to get there first. Um, what everybody else is doing is nothing. I don't know. Is anybody doing it? Everyone anything? else is dealing with Martin. Uh, so Martin, uh, Harry goes to Martin's body, who he assumes is dead at this point, because he hasn't. He stopped moving. He stopped talking for a large, like a large portion of the movie. And Harry goes up to him, and he's going for the keys, uh, I believe, to the van, because um, he's planning on using it to get out of there. I would assume. Um, but as he's going for the keys in in Martin's pocket, Martin springs up, and uh, he's he is alive. Um, and he stands up. He's all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's not all there mentally, but he is He is functioning. He's moving <laughs> around, <laughs> yes, and, and walking and saying things. Yeah. Um, and he has a funny bit here where uh, he's, he's just, like, storming around, like, calling out people's names. And this is where it becomes readily apparent to the viewer that, oh, Martin hired the snipers. Mm-hmm. It's like he knows them by name. He like even sits down next to Howard's dead body and like apologizes to him or something like that. But his behavior is just really off the wall and really unpredictable and 
kind of vicious, to be honest. So he picks up the case of money, because that's his number one priority. But he also has a rifle. And he starts shooting at Ord. Um, but <laughs> there's a funny bit where he's, like, walking straight towards Ord and shooting at him periodically. But he, he calls out to him, it's okay, I'm not shooting, it's cool. <laughs> it's like, uh, sure, I don't... I, are you a zombie? Because it really feels like you are. It's like, are you Bud the zombie? <laughs> like, because Bud knew how to use a gun. Um, but yeah, uh, we keep cutting back and forth between all the different parties, and uh, the it's funny the the situation with Frank and Vern takes a very unexpected turn, because uh, it feels like it belongs in a different movie, because everything we've seen about Vern is that he's a I don't know he's squirrely. He's he's weaselly. He's not he's not like the guy who he's not a go getter. You know he he delegates. <laughs> um, but it turns into almost like a slasher movie. In fact, he like has a fire axe and he's like trying to chop a door down to get to Frank. Um, and at some point, uh, Frank pours out a gas can and sets it on fire, and sets Vern on fire, <laughs> um, and it very nearly kills him. And I like the the grisly aftermath uh the burn makeup was kind of cool looking uh man charlotte copley has had to wear a lot of makeup in his career um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah long story short frank does get to the phone and the it keeps ringing throughout the remainder of the movie um and it turns out to be just like a, a what we would call a robocall today <laughs> like an advertisement or something um but unfortunately Vern shoots him in the back when he gets the phone um but yeah we we cut back to everything going down on the floor of the warehouse and i did like that uh when when frank is trying to escape fern uh, there's a just this throwaway shot that feels like a throwaway at first but it's it's a mouse uh like crawling into a hole in the wall and when i first saw that i was like i don't know why that's there but then like only a minute later, it makes itself known. That's like, oh, it's meant to demonstrate that the wall is very thin and that Frank can can bust through it, which he does, in fact, do um, in an attempt to escape Vern. Uh, but yeah, then do you remember what happened with uh, Gordon and Justine? No, I remember. I'm like, who's she? Like, who's she fighting with? Like, what's happening? I'm like, I somebody dies here. I think does she shoot Gordon here? I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what the but, alter what what causes it though. I was taking gets, a note when she did it. She she gets to like the entrance area with the red door that we we saw when we first entered the warehouse, and yeah, Gordon chases her in there, and he has a weird exchange here where he he's dropping some dialogue that sounds important, but I didn't really get the meaning. I think it's meant to allude to the fact that he was maybe aware that she was playing both sides or something. Um, but yeah, long story short, uh, she shoots him multiple times, and uh, his dying act is to pull out her scarf and <laughs> tell her, "You dropped this." <laughs> so, and he also takes a big—he huffs her scarf before he starts chasing her. So, I don't know. It seems like he has mixed emotions when it comes to Justine. It's mm-hmm. like you're really hot, but I also kind of want to kill you. <laughs> but uh, he makes—he is killed by her, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then we get another uh, intruder on the situation. And apparently this guy is named Leary, I believe. Big motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, he is with uh, Chris and Frank. And Frank is dead by now. Um, 
and Chris actually goes up into the office and uh do you remember how uh, Charlotte Copley exits the film, Kyle? Yeah, he gets shot right in the nose. Uh, it's pretty tasty. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Um, kind of surprising. I'm like, I figured he was gonna shoot Cillian Murphy here, uh, but yeah, he doesn't shoot Chris. They kind of he like holds his gun up, and then I think he misses him, and then uh, Chris falls down. He just pops him right directly in the nose, uh, and he's finally dead. Um, Justine's headed for something. I don't know what she was headed for, but she's headed somewhere. Um, she grabs a rifle and she takes aim at Ord, but she passes out. Okay, that's what it is. Um, and then now Chris is headed for the phone. Yeah, uh, he he shoots Vern s- square in the middle of the nose. It's pretty tasty, especially because that's that's not a part of the body you see people get shot in in many movies. Um, definitely CGI assisted, but it looks pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's grisly. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris gets on the phone, and he's trying to call for help, but then Ord yanks the power to upstairs. Like, he yanks a cord out of out of one of the pillars, so he's unable to make the phone call. Fortunately, uh, that Leary guy shows up, and <laughs> uh, Harry makes a lame attempt to stop him by assaulting him with a crowbar to, like, the shin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just, I just loved how tame it was because you just wax him in the shin and i mean anything to the shin hurts it stings like a motherfucker but this big guy is just like what the fuck and he grabs him and he starts like manhandling him like he, he throws him all over the warehouse mm-hmm. there's a great moment where he throws him over the van and whoever whatever stuntman did that bump that looked nasty like that neck rolled over <laughs> it's like um but unfortunately, um, as this Leary guy approaches Harry while he's down, um, he turns around and he jams the crowbar into his mouth and proceeds to beat him to death with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Leary's off the table. So he was only... He didn't even kill anyway. <laughs> he, threw, he threw an injured man. Good job, big guy. Um, but yeah, Chris is seriously put out by that because he, he had to watch it all from the second story. And he thought he he thought he was about to win. And I did like that uh, earlier in the movie, um, Charlotte Copley has a has a line. I, th- I think it's when he first sees a uh, Frank making a move for the phone. It's like it's like he's going for the phone. He's winning. <laughs> and it's like it just t- it communicates a lot about his personality. Where he, just that phrase, he's winning, isn't <laughs> like. I don't. I don't care like how dire the circumstances are. It's like I think of things in terms of like that guy's dicking me. <laughs> he mm-hmm. can't. He can't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Harry has the money now, and I believe he did in fact get the keys from Martin. Uh, yeah, of course he did. Um, and we get a really very strange sequence where he he's taunting everyone as he's been doing throughout the entire movie. He's constantly calling out to people, and he's th- he's that asshole on the playground who. He's he's Nelson Muntz <laughs> from The Simpsons, where it's like mm-hmm. you you take a spill like on the football field or on the soccer field, and you just hear in the background, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> he's that motherfucker. Um, but yeah, he he's like mocking everyone as he's crawling into the van, and uh, he starts he starts it up and he starts driving, um, and Ord starts shooting at him, but his gun jams and he can't stop him. He's pissed, and we are too because. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of this this Harry or Mr. Rayner. Um, but then, and and this is all happening as the John Denver music resumes because as soon as he turns the key, it starts up along with the van. 
Uh, Steve-O gets on the radio and starts insulting him <laughs> via remote. Um, and Steve-O shoots Harry and gets in the van that is that is rolling, by the way. So he drags himself into the van, and they start wrestling in there. They have a bite Meanwhile, fight. Yeah, it's a cripple fight. <laughs> and <laughs> meanwhile, Ord is shooting at both of them. Um, and Steve-O is kicked out of the van. And he has the case of money. So Steve-O's on top of the world, except for the fact that he has, like, three bullets in him. And he's fucking high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, Kyle, do you want to tell the folks at home what happens to poor Steve-O? Or not poor Steve-O. Not poor Steve-O. He Steve-O. gets what he to deserves. To Steve-O, yeah. Uh, as the van is slowly rolling around, it's uh, circling around. I don't think even Harry is meaning to drive it that way. It's just that's the way it's going. Um, uh, Steve-O is... He gets his head smashed in by the uh, by the van, and it smashes it. Uh, it's very it's very tasteful. We don't see too much. We see just enough to get the point, but it's pretty gross. Uh, yeah, it's a he's not a likable character. I think this would actually would have been a better death for Harry uh, if he would have had his face smashed because he was more obnoxious, I think, than Steve-O. Yeah, Harry needed he needed a special end too, because unfortunately, the way Harry goes out is when when the tire is on top of Steve-O's head. And by the way, uh, like uh, another callback to Saving Private Ryan, um, as the van is rolling towards him very slowly, he does the Captain Miller thing with mm-hmm. the pistol, <laughs> shooting at the the mechanical beast slowly rolling towards him. Um, it doesn't work. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't get any uh, planes to help him out. Um, but as the tire is crunching Steve-O's face, uh, he shoots through the bottom of the van mm-hmm. into Harry. And then Harry just kind of expires. Um, no, Harry needed a special death too. I agree. Um, something, something nasty, something mean. Um, but it's kind of lame, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, uh, the sprinklers in the in the warehouse start up uh, because uh, the fire that Frank had set earlier um, it triggers the sprinklers, and uh, they pretty much turn on the second the van crashes into the wall. Um, but it's really funny because Ord is trying to light up some more, some more pot, and uh, it the timing of the sprinklers coincides with him just just lighting it. And you can tell he's just bummed. Like he's got bullets in him, <laughs> and now I he think, can't even smoke. I think yeah. I think the the I thought the frustration was he doesn't get to smoke his joint, but I think the frustration is now he knows that the cops are coming. Like now they're now they have to get out of there. Exactly. And he does, in fact, announce that to whoever is still alive, which mm-hmm. is basically just him and Chris at this point. Um, he announces, that, I figure we got about 15 minutes before the cops show up. And uh, he decides he wants to peace out and get a beer. And, you know, can't really blame him. Because mm-hmm. it, it's like, this was always my argument in a <laughs> weird example. But uh, Star Wars Episode Three, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan, uh, they're, they're throwdown at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, while while when I was young I was really excited to see that lightsaber duel because you know it's fucking lightsabers kids like lightsabers <laughs> I, I was really excited to see that but when you actually see it in the movie um, I think at the time it had like the title for longest fight sequence in an American film um, the problem with that though is that th- the entire reason those two characters are fighting is due to like an emotional explosion emotions don't work like that <laughs> like mm-hmm. like they burn out and it's the same with this this scenario where it's like you, you know 
perpetual motion plays into things for sure where it's like well i'm fighting i guess i'm just going to continue fighting but you know there's plenty of times in this movie where everybody's talking to each other where it's like you know realistically i wouldn't be surprised if somebody actually just tried to say hey you know this ain't worth it like let's all just walk away (laughs) um but that that is in fact what ward decides to do here where he's like you know what i'm done shooting at people I ain't get paid. I'm I ain't getting paid extra for this, so he decides to leave and get a beer. And Chris opts to join him. And uh, it, the John Denver music, by the way, has been playing since the van started up. It's diegetic music. It's just there in the in the room with all the characters. It shuts off when uh, Ord shuts off the van, so he takes the keys out of it. And uh, he's like, "Hey, you want to hear a John Denver story?" And then what happens, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, this is where I was like, where's Justine? I'm like, oh, she's about to shoot them, both of them. Uh, and then that's exactly what happens. I'm like, I, w- I was just waiting for him. Like, he's about to tell him a story. I'm like, nope, he's going to get shot. And bam, he gets shot in the head. And Cillian uh, Murphy gets shot in the chest. I'm like, obviously, because you needed him to die slower so that she can tell, like, so they can have that last <laughs> exchange with each other. And that's exactly what happens. Um yeah, she shoots Chris in the chest, and they come over, and they have their exchange. I mean, fucking Christmas must have been in love with her or something, because he's taking this really well. Because this would have been a perfect, like, Reservoir Dogs ending, where you just like, oh yeah, by the way, I have a gun here that I've just haven't, I've got a few rounds left. Like, this would have been the perfect time for, like, the double kill, where nobody makes it out alive. But yeah, she just, uh, as we suspected, like, yeah, kind of did this whole thing. I'm gonna take off with the money now. And he's just like, yeah, cool. You got it. And uh, I think he just, he, I don't know if he dies right here or if he's about to die. Um, I don't think we actually see him die, yeah. but where he, he's been shot multiple times and now he has one in the chest. I think yeah. he's gone. Yeah, um, he's, he's gone. I really liked uh, that they they don't really make any attempt to make her a redeemable or likable character. I thought mm-hmm. that was the That's right good. move to make. Um, it, fits, it fits with all the characters we've seen. Nobody's really a good person in this Mm-mm. movie. Um, but yeah, he like congratulates her on getting the money, and then he just kind of pauses. He's like, "Who were the shooters?" And her response is kind of perfect. Or she's like, "Oh, I'm not good with names. Uh, mm-hmm. Martin hired them." <laughs> it's like, yeah. "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, like you, uh, you're just e- pure evil. <laughs> um, but actually, it's funny because you, um, as you were talking, I thought like maybe a a different way to end this movie because the the closing shot of this movie is her and a. Uh, that rock opera organ music starts up again as she's hobbling towards the shutter door to exit the warehouse. Um, but then we hear and see sirens mm-hmm. uh, from under the door and she whips her head around towards the camera and looks a little panicked. Yeah. Um, she's caught a hundred percent. She's fucked. <laughs> um, but I was thinking like maybe a different way as you were talking, like I said, I came up with this um, different way to go about that. Maybe it could have been like, same deal she's headed towards the shutter to leave and then we cut to chris like on his back watching her leave and he like is training a pistol on her mm-hmm. like as he's dying and then the sirens show up and then maybe he starts he just like smiles or starts laughing to himself and he's like she, yeah. she'll get a lot worse <laughs> like <Yeah>. never mind <laughs> and then like you don't even need to show him die but it's implied that like he's he gets some level of satisfaction knowing that he got to see that she's she's not getting away scot-free yeah yeah but you know that's the end of the movie it's a it's a good way to end this particular story this this movie doesn't need 
like a, a fuck you kind of ending. Um, this is this is an appropriate ending based yeah. on the characters we have. Um, but yeah, that was Free Fire. Um, Kyle, like we've we've already kind of gone over this before, but like having talked about it now, do you feel any different about it? No, no. Um, <laughs> actually, you talking about the uh, the the whole like from minute fifty to the rest of it, I'm like yeah, there just really was nothing happening there. Because uh, I was thinking back of like all the stuff, like it just it all blends together. I don't remember what happens in the warehouse. It's just people shooting at each other. Um, the jokes just didn't hit for me. Like I know it was supposed to be funny here and there, but they just didn't. It didn't work for me. Um, and not that it's a bad movie or anything. Um, it's it's definitely worth a watch one time around. It's it's fun enough. Um, but yeah, I I just didn't. It it wasn't it wasn't comedy enough for me. Gotcha. Um, by the way. Uh, I looked it up. Badinage um, means humorous or witty conversation. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with you mostly. Um, but I think this speaks to maybe maybe a difference in our taste in movies. Because um, I I don't get terribly excited about watching like really really high quality great movies. Um, I mean, I, I enjoy them for sure, but I don't get the same level of excitement as I do certain other kinds of movies. Um, I think it comes from the fact that I watch a lot of action movies and a lot of things like that where it, everything's very formulaic, but it's all in the subtleties. It's all in the very minute details. And like, I think I've said this before on the show, like if you've seen a bar fight in a movie, you, you kind of have a template for what you expect. Like we all kind of have an idea of what to expect and what that looks like. For me, it's like, I don't mind watching a million bar fights because I'll zero in on the minute differences between those bar fights. Mm. It's if, if those subtleties, if those minute differences are boring or n- not very creative, that's when I take issue with, with the product. Um, but this, like, from from an action standpoint or just on a pure technical level, like, the way it's choreographed and the way it's shot and the attention to detail and the sound editing, I think there's a lot of value there if that's what you're looking for. But as just, like, a pure filmic experience, it's it's definitely a one-and-done. It's, like, mm-hmm. there's it's not something you're going to put under a, a magnifying glass or a microscope and get much out of. It's It's very much just like, a, well, that was a movie. um but man i gotta i gotta diversify my picks i feel like i feel like i've maybe picked like two movies that you legitimately liked (laughs) i was thinking that too i'm like he hit a home run with deep rising i'm like man i'm trying to think of the other ones i'm like and then what else (laughs) nothing else (laughs) but i mean that is the name of the show catching up on cinema Mm -hmm. and we are two different people with two different tastes so I don't know. Maybe we need to work on that more. Like, like try to zero in on pleasing each other or something. <laughs> because because we've had a pretty long streak of just disappointing one another. <laughs> um, but you know, it it's all it's all in the interest of making good conversation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, th- hopefully this was a good one. Um, that being said, uh, thanks for joining us, um, Kyle. Do you want the pick for next week, or is it back to me? It might be back to you because I'm not sure if my pick's going to make it in in time. Okay. Well, that's fair. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah.